Hello, and welcome to The Learn It Podcast, a weekly conversation with global education leaders for people who are passionate about the future of learning. I'm your host, reporter and author, Jenny Anderson. Our guest today is Boris Waldbaum, founder of Forward College, a brand new pan-European university geared towards developing all forms of human intelligences and skills, cognitive, social, emotional, practical, and technological. Forward launched in September 2021 with 27 students and 11 full-time faculty. Students spend one year each in Lisbon, Paris, and Amsterdam, and can get one of five degrees, which are designed and graded by LSE and King's College. They do their learning in small groups with full-time teachers, a high dose of formative assessment, and one-on-one tutoring. There's an entrepreneurship component as well as a personal development one, each of which come with certificates. Boris's own journey to starting university is telling. He started his career in the civil service in France and McKinsey before starting a social impact organization to support underprivileged youth. He consulted with higher ed institutions, but ultimately decided he needed to stop tinkering at the edges and create a whole new kind of university. When a system is stuck, it's very important to unlock it. And my my impression is that at the present time, there is no more urgent thing to do than to work on education because it's, it's really the bottleneck for the talents we need to tackle, you know, the climate crisis, to tackle the inequalities we have. Our mission is really to make education the most meaningful experience for our life and for the world. And I think that this generation who are in high school at the moment is a generation that has a strong feeling of urgency. They are confronted with huge challenges and are very aware of these challenges and they want to make things happen now. They don't want to wait five more years in higher education before starting to do something about it. There are similarities here to other new universities we've covered at LearnIt, including Minerva and the London Interdisciplinary School. But there's also plenty of differences, which we discuss. Like a LIS and Minerva, Forward thinks way more about the student experience, how to combat loneliness, how to develop digital skills required in the workplace, how to find purpose. Boris said something that really stuck with me. The learners today need more than purpose. They want to have impact. And now, and universities have to help develop the skills to practice that. The question for Forward is, will enough students take a leap on something new? We talk about that too. Boris Waldbaum, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jenny. It's a pleasure to be with you. So before you started this bold plan to launch a new pan-European or really global university, you did some other things. Tell me about you. I've always been passionate. I would, you know, draw plans as if I were a designer of schools. You know, I was a bit bold at school and, and I didn't quite like the design at that time. I'm not sure we've made uh, so many progress in this respect. Then I really felt I wanted to start my career learning. And I went to demanding careers in demanding institutions like in the French civil service where I was an official, I was an advisor for the Minister of Finance. And then I pushed the idea that we should invest more in education, which was rather uncommon at the Minister of Finance where you would rather push for less uh, expenditure than, than more. Then I went to McKinsey, the consulting firm, where I also worked for education institutions, but that was not all my job, unfortunately. And after having spent approximately 10 years of my career learning in, in very demanding institutions, then I really started in the education uh, business. And I started as a social entrepreneur in Equal Opportunity. I founded a charity in France called Article One. And this um, charity now supports more than 200,000 students coming from underprivileged backgrounds. And I am also the founder of a consultancy called Dual Conseil, 
that was launched a few years after, supporting higher education institutions. So I know quite well universities, we did mergers, we did uh, strategic plans and so on and so forth. And now it's time to, to found a real institution. So that's where we are. It's clear to see how your passion for education has come through in all of these different roles and perhaps how you got to the moment. What was the sort of catalyst for, okay, this is it, let's actually start the university and why innovate in higher ed? I mean, it's hard enough to innovate anywhere. Higher ed is just the hardest. It is actually, it is. But it's also why it's extremely important to do it because when it's stuck, when a system is stuck, it's very important to unlock it. And my, my impression is that at the present time, there is no more urgent thing to do that to work on education because it's, it's really the bottleneck for the talents we need to tackle you know, the climate crisis, to tackle the inequalities we have. As a consultant, you know, I've worked with so many universities and I had the impression that I was able to push them forward a bit, but that the world would, you know, go forward even faster. So that the gap between the university as I stand and the world's needs was actually widening. And the, the pace with which the, the, the change would happen in the university in higher education was not enough. So at some point, I really felt that we needed new institutions. And there are a few new institutions emerging. So give us the vision. Give us the sort of elevator pitch for Forward University. Well, our mission is really to make education the most meaningful experience for our life and for the world. For me, education is an experience. It's not about teaching. It's about experiencing. Experiencing meaning to understand, to connect, to achieve, and to feel. So it's much more than just, you know, learning new knowledge. It means understanding, you know, complex situations, complex problems. That's what most universities already do, but we do it a bit differently. It is also about connecting with others. When we do an experience, it's most of the time with other people in our lives. It's also about achieving things. And I think that this generation who are in high school at the moment, is a generation that has a strong feeling of urgency. They are confronted with huge challenges and are very aware of these challenges and they want to make things happen now. They don't want to wait five more years in higher education before starting to do something about it. And the experience is also about feeling. I mean, your performance as a journalist is really about your ability to be resilient when there are difficult situations, uh, managing your stress, managing your emotions, being self-aware, being able to have this growth mindset and learn always, even when you go through the hard moments. So it's super important to also have this kind of emotional intelligence. So when we mean that we want to do the most meaningful experience for our life, it really means these four aspects of the experience, understanding, connecting, achieving, and feeling. And so there's an academic component, a personal development component, and an entrepreneurship component, if I'm right. To understand, actually, as you said, it's the academic part. And we have partnered with the University of London for that. But we do it in a more active learning way. So it's about individual learning, working in teams, and the seminar in small groups to really go one step further, engage uh, critically with, with the content and, and also be creative. The, the connection is, is about living together uh, because students live together in co-living houses. That's an important part because friendship is very important at that age. But it's also about discovering new countries. They spend one year in 
each country. So one year in Portugal, one year in France, and one year in the Netherlands, where they connect with different communities and different cultures. That's also very important to expand your horizons. The third part is about achieving, and this is the project-based learning, the entrepreneurial part of the curriculum, which has also a very important digital component. And the fourth pillar is about feeling, and feeling is really about personal development. So um, they, they spend a few hours per week on personal development. You did 80 interviews as part of your sort of due diligence research process. What were some of the key themes that came out of those interviews that then influenced your design of Forward? Actually, when you listen to education experts and when you listen to recruiters or experts on the future of jobs, it's amazing to see how they agree together. I mean, they agree that the main bottleneck for talent today is about digital skills and soft skills. Through soft skills, I mean, you know, social skills, foundational intellectual skills, and emotional skills. And this is absolutely clear for them. It's clear for the OECD, the World Economic Forum, it is clear for the partnership of the 21st century, and so on and so forth. And it's also the same for, you know, the education experts. They all say that you learn much better when you are in a growth mindset attitude. And this goes back to your emotional intelligence, your ability to manage your emotions, manage your energy and resources. The neuroscience has really shown the connections between your social connections and your motivation, between your ability to manage your emotions and your, the quality of your performance at school. So all these is connected and they all say the same. We need to grasp education as a global experience that, you know, combines understanding the intellectual part, the connection, the achievement, and the feeling. Explain to me how the online degree with the University of London works in conjunction with this collaborative 15-person seminar group work and the formative assessments in the classroom. There's sort of two different components that are happening, and how do they work together? Yeah, when you start as an institution, you need to somehow leverage existing reputation so that students and their parents trust you. So you need a kind of accreditation. And our choice was to uh, get an accreditation by the University of London. So, you know, covering uh, LSC, King's College, UCL and the the likes. And so we are accredited teaching center, which means that they define the content of the program they do the exam, a bit like national secondary exams in most countries. What we do is the teaching part, the experience. So on campus, we do all the teaching and how we do it, it's really through the flipped classroom approach where students confront individually with the content, with guidelines from their tutors. And then after having engaged with the content, they have small quizzes to see how they've grasped the content and then they work in teams and they have challenges that they solve together and there is also a phase where they support each other if somebody has an issue understanding something it's tackled during the learning cell and then one day later they go to the seminar which means that when they arrive in the seminar they have already you know grasped most of the content they have had this little test which allows the tutor to organize and to focus the seminar on the aspects that have been proved a bit difficult to grasp or deepen 
what has been grasped to go one step further. So it's a very active, it's about you know, uh, simulation, it's about debates, it's about group assignments. So it's very active. And then there is weekly formative assessments organized by our faculty. And the debrief is done on a one-on-one tutorial session, which means that you get individual feedback. Because the important part is not to know whether you got a B or an A or a C, it's why you got a B, a C or an A. And that goes into much more uh, details that uh, are shared with you. And, and the tutor supports you in you know, focusing in the area which can make a difference for you, you know, in order to go from a C to a B, for instance. Let's say I'm taking economics and politics. I'm going to take my economics and politics classes for that particular degree at King's College or UCL online. That's going to be my content and my final exams are going to be done there. In addition to that, I am meeting in small groups during the week in these small seminars and discussing some of the topics and issues that come up there that we can interrogate in a slightly more depth. We can do some projects around it. We can discuss it. And my tutors will be assessing me and also working with me and my peers on that. And then once a week, I'm going to be meeting with that tutor to discuss my progress with respect to that degree and the work we're doing in the seminars, as well as the work that I'm doing online. Yeah, that's it. So tell us where we are right now. How many students, how many faculty do you have? We have 27 students in our founders class coming from 13 countries, and we have 11 faculty members coming from 10 different countries. So that's a pretty international crowd. What are faculty looking for who are coming to Forward? Faculty normally, they go to more prestigious universities. And actually, we recruited faculty who were working at Oxford, LSE, King's College, St. Andrews, Nottingham, and we, we didn't exist at that time. And, you know, having reviewed many uh, applications, we had more than 100 per job offer. I realized in talking to them d- during the interviews that they, they went to forward to reconnect with the initial vocation they had when they chose to go into teaching. Most of them go into teaching before going into research. And then they, uh, since they're bright, they do a PhD and then they, they go into research. And the institutions in which they work, the, the, the top institutions, they are mainly research-driven. And, you know, actually research skills and teaching skills are very different from each other. So I think uh, there are many faculty members in top universities that want to reconnect with, with the culture of teaching. You have this core principle based around the idea of five intelligences, cognitive, social, emotional, practical, and technological, and then 45 skills that help build those intelligences. If I reflect on my own university experience, it didn't really develop all of those, but in a very unintentional way, right? I mean, I built my emotional capacity by probably having my heart broken, missing some classes, failing a few things, you know, it was more ad hoc. Now we're really into this idea of mapping everything we need and then kind of designing for it. Why do we have to do that now? The risk when you venture into these kinds of intelligences that relate to your personality traits, the risk is to become too normative and to define what a good behavior is. And I think we we are very much into something different. I mean, I see myself as an educator, uh, as as a gardener rather than an industrial. I think the, the whole point is finding the right soil composition, the right lightning, the right you know, watering for, for each uh, individual student. 
So not going into a normative approach. But then, I mean, research shows that, I mean, to develop your emotional skills, to develop your self-awareness, of course, your experience is the matter of it. But if you don't intentionally reflect on this, if you are not supported in interpreting what happens to you, in understanding what actually happens to you when you are triggered by your emotions, then it's very difficult to cope with them. So you develop habits of coping with them, which are, are not always sound. So this is very much about, you know, giving you the whole picture of who you are and then allowing you to make your own choices. I'd love to have you describe the degree yourself. I, I could do it, but you'll do it more justice. And I, and I guess our listeners have heard from Minerva and have heard from LIS. So I guess let me just start by saying Minerva is also based in four countries. Students learn online via an active pedagogical approach they've developed. They have 100 habits of mind and foundational concepts. That's their model. How are you different? First one, not an online university which makes a big difference with, uh, with Minerva. We believe in the importance of incarnated teaching. And we believe that all the aspects of human teaching need to be taken into account. We believe in the power of inspiration. We believe really in the power of the connection between a teacher and, and a student. And that's why we are very much into the teaching quality. And we invest a lot on teaching de skills development. We have all known, you know, uh, amazing teachers who have unlocked a part of our talents. And that's something that we, we do value. And you can do that online, but it's, it's much less efficient to unlock you than if, if you actually know the person. That's what we are. We are only on, in, on small group teaching. That's why we do uh, weekly one-on-one -on -one tutoring to give individualized feedback and to nurture this connection between the teacher and the students. That's a major difference. The other difference relates to what I was saying earlier. I think Mineva has a more uh, normative approach of development. The way we do it is through coaching. So, uh, you know, we have met things that, as they have. And I think it's, I mean, Minerva, I should have started by that. It's a great source of inspiration. And I really think we need more Minerva. But uh, so I'm trying to just find, uh, identify small differences. So we, we do map things, but I think we have with the coaching and very reflective approach, individualized approach of development. As I was saying earlier, we see us more as a gardener and finding the right way of supporting students strategizing about their own development, whereas Minerva may have a more systematic approach of, you know, skills development. I'd say that would be a difference. You know, uh, I think LIS is more into interdisciplinary intellectual development, problem solving. So it focuses more on cognition in an innovative way, uh, rather than on social, emotional, and technological and practical intelligences. So how is our degree uh, set up? Well, we have two kinds of degrees. We have International Bachelor's Plus, where you know, we only provide undergraduate education at the moment. And we have double bachelors that are also international. So as you said, both categories uh, will take you in three countries across the three-year program. That's something that is common. The other aspect that is common is the cognitive core. So the academic degree that you are used to finding in any university. So we need to innovate, but we also need to connect with the students and their parents where they stand at the moment. And it's, it's a conservative market. So we provide five types of uh, bachelor programs that have been designed either by the LSC or King's College. Economics, economics and politics, data science and business analysis, politics and international relations, and psychology. And these are all taught online? 
No, we get the content online, but all the teaching happens on site at Forward College. So basically, the University of London and this university provide the content and they do the exams. But all the teaching happens at Forward College with our faculty. So this sounds super tricky. You have faculty teaching someone else's curriculum. What faculty wants to do that? Well, I mean, as I said, we had 100 applicants per job offer. So many actually want to focus on teaching. Obviously, you know, we'll develop our own degrees at some point, but they are very comfortable in that because they think that the the key difference is not about the content of your first year degree. I mean, the key thing is how you support students in learning and making a difference in their intellectual development. The other components are the entrepreneurship certificate. It's a one-year project that you develop in teams, a topic that you want to work on. I mean, it's not forward who tells you your project should be this or that. It's really about connecting with things you actually care about and that you want to make a difference on. Um, we, we, we have many examples at the moment, but it can be related to climate change, it can be related to refugees, it can be related to inequalities, education, you name it. And the whole point of our teaching approach is to take you step by step to the next challenge of your project. First, in a design phase, uh, we use the uh, design thinking approach. So understanding what the needs of your target audience is. Uh, then, you know, uh, trying to also explore the literature, the scientific literature around this. Then based on that, try to ideate, find, find solutions, original solutions, then prototyping solutions, testing them, but actually having an impact. And in the end, at the end of the year, you need to show what impact you've had, but also what learnings you've made. And it's fascinating because it's first very frustrating journey because, you know, you have a little impact when you do things yourselves. Uh, that's what you find out when you enter the professional life. But actually, they are also very proud because they, they actually made a difference. And that is something that doesn't happen where, when you study. I mean, you, when you study, you do essays, you do uh, assessments and so on and so forth. But you don't make a difference in other people's lives, even though it's a, it's a hard journey that is illuminating for them and that, you know, nurture their sense of responsibility. So that's the entrepreneurship piece. And of course, they have seminars and workshops to support them and debriefing in teams. So it's always a very small group teaching. And then the third part is personal development. So we have three certificates. It's about your intrapersonal skills. Uh, By intrapersonal, I mean self-awareness, your ability to cope with uh, your emotions, uh, knowing your resources, how you get energized or drained of your energy, your sources of motivation, your growth mindset, and so on and so forth. So it's really about understanding and managing yourself. The other one is about interpersonal skills. So it's about really about connecting with others, building trust with other people, communicating. And the third block is about leadership. So how you can take it to the next level through influence, through negotiation, and and actually um, inspiring others. So these are the three certificates within the personal development block. And then there is this learning community expedition. So three countries in three years, but it's also people who live together. I mean, your social intelligence, your emotional intelligence have been nurtured by your interaction with others. And we want people when they leave their home, because, you know, uh, they they all leave their home uh, at some point because we have this three country program. You need to find another kind of home and it's more with your peers, but it needs to be a safe space where you know people, you know, that uh, two thirds of students 
suffer from loneliness. I think it's really a, a huge issue that these people at this age where you really want to be with your peers are feel lonely. And that's really something that we, we don't want. That's why they live together. Tell me a little bit specifically about the teaching and how the teaching and learning takes place through all of those strands. We do only small group teaching. So uh, be it course on how to make interviewers for your project at a certain point of your project in the entrepreneurial part of the program. Or if it's in politics and international relations, these are about seminars and workshops with 15 students on average in class teaching, okay? So with one teacher and and, uh, on average 15 students. That's the the core of, of the formal teaching. But the, the principle is that all the, the readings have been done before so that there is no need for lecturing. Then uh, what we do is we adapt to even smaller formats depending on what you do. So for the academic degree, you have a formative assessment each week, which means you are graded. The point is not to find out that you've got a B or an A. It's to understand why. And that is why we have this 20-minute one-on-one tutoring session every week where the tutor share the feedback on what you've done and try to help you focus once again on this particular bit that you need to improve on. So supporting students in making progress in their academic bachelors. With the the entrepreneurial part of the program, it's more in teams. So they have weekly debriefings. Basically, at the start of the week, they have you know, the seminar, the, the learning material, and they need to do something during the week. So they have an achievement goal, like, you know, as I was saying, interview your audience. So you need to come up with you know, 25, 30 interviews on your target audience to understand better their, their needs and, and how they react to what you want to do. And that is where we support them, of course, in the methodology. But then at the end of the week, we just check in and say, okay, we spend, each tutor spends 40 minutes with each team. So it's also a, a, a moment when you can share about the team dynamics, but also share about what has been uh, the challenges that you have, coping with failure. And that's very important to have this safe space to debrief and make learning happen because you are supported and you, okay, that's fine. It, you failed this time and try to understand why, because everybody fails at some point. Right. And are you, are your faculty being trained as coaches or are these separate things? So you're sort of tutoring and having these small group sessions, but there's also this coaching element. Are those different people? Yeah, there are different people. The people training for the academic degrees are different from the people training for the entrepreneurial part of our program and the same for personal development. For instance, the entrepreneurial part, you have one of the faculty member who's been a senior lecturer at Loveborough, which is very good in, in design, and she's a design professor, senior lecturer. She's an expert in design thinking. And the first year project is, you know, taking you through the design thinking approach. So they are very, you know, expert on the methodology that students need to follow to, to have impact. Whereas, of course, the academic faculty, they come from, you know, LSE, for instance, to teach the LSE degrees or... And, and all are permanent faculty, so they really join forward and they are full-time and permanent faculty um, in Lisbon at the moment because that's where we start. So this is a $64 million question, which is literally probably a $64 million question. How are you paying for all this? 
<laughs> imagine that your fees for 27 students who are your incoming class are covering the full-time faculty of your staff. Yeah, but I mean, when you start, and it's true in any business, you start with huge deficits because you create something. And we obviously, you need to have much more resources than what you need because there will be many things that you don't foresee and you need to be able to cope with very rapidly so that the experience is very good. So that's a time where when you overinvest, but the tuition fees are for EU students, 15K euros for our double bachelor and 12K euros for our um, international bachelor plus, so the single bachelors. The difference between the two is that for the International Bachelor Plus, you have only certificates additional to your academic degree, one certificate in entrepreneurship and one certificate in personal development. But you go through the three countries. For the double bachelor, it's another bachelor that is comprised of three certificates of entrepreneurship and three certificates in personal development. So it's much more intense. So uh, these are the tuition fees, but obviously uh, we won't have, you know, 11 faculty for 27 students and and a ratio of one faculty for 2.3 students. Uh, But in the end, we want to be around one faculty for 14 students approximately. So which is is very high. Do you have investors in this project? Is that how you've been funding it? Yes, uh, we have investors uh, who are all individual investors. We don't have any fund that I've invested in Forward College. We wanted to keep more personal and, and we be with investors that have a, a connection with the project. Because it's very, I mean, not in the beginning, but in the end, you end up, you know, being pressured into making money. And that's where, you know, you drain your organization of all its energy, all its culture. And I think that's very dangerous. You've worked intensely with disadvantaged students or students who needed more support. How are you trying to connect the dots there? I mean, that's a high price point for any student. I know it's a typical price point, but I guess what I'm saying is, how are you accessing people who might not be able to afford that? I think first, it's a major issue. It's not a small, you know, cherry on the cake issue. It's fundamental because I think this feeling of unfairness that, you know, nurtures divisiveness and and violence, social violence is related to the, you know, this feeling that the system is rigged. And it is, you know, I've been engaged in, you know, in equal opportunity for 15 years now, supporting, you know, hundreds of thousands of students. And because I do believe the system is extremely unfair and we cannot go on like this. So basically what we do, I mean, we have 45 students on financial aid at the moment. Our financial support consists of two uh, blocks. One block is scholarships up to 20% of the tuition fees. The other block are trust loans. These are loans that are typically like the British system. So it's no interest rate. The way you refund forward college is as a percentage of your salary so that you are never strangled by uh, the the need to to pay back forward college. So what you pay back depends on the amount of your revenue. And it can be up to 80% of our tuition fees. So the, the two blocks can cover up to 100% of our tuition fees. And in addition to that, for those who actually don't have any resources, we have student jobs uh, so that they can pay their, you know, their rent to live abroad. What's been the hardest part so far of building a university? I mean, we've had three major challenges, but it's, it's really very hard. And that's why uh, you know, very few universities are, are being created uh, at the moment. The first one I would say uh, is to recruit the faculty because, you know, you need to convince people, uh, you know, who are very demanding, who do their due diligences to come to you and take a risk. 
The second challenge was to get the accreditation of the University of London. And you know that for LIS, it's, it's been you know, a long journey and a difficult journey to get the accreditation. We chose a different and I think easier path, partnering with the University of London. But it's still you know, a 300-page application and you need to show everything so that they feel confident that you can actually add their logo on your website. The third challenge is definitely the, the hardest one, and it's to recruit the, your first class. Especially, it's been very difficult for Minerva. It's been very difficult for us also, very challenging because, I mean, we will be a global organization. And when you are in a country, you know, you have a connection with the press, uh, you, people know you at some point. When you are global, nobody really cares, you know, because you are not French and you don't want to be French or, or Portuguese or, or Dutch or whatever. So it's very difficult to communicate. And it's been very hard. And we had COVID and the, the number of students applying for uh, studying abroad uh, decreased by 67%. So, you know, we launched at the, the worst year in history for international higher education. It's been, you know, very stressful to, to uh, gather an amazing class of students who are, you know, 40% of our students have get a, a triple A star uh, at the A level, I mean, the equivalent. And what is the growth strategy? How do you continue to grow those numbers? We want to grow uh, fast and, and be large. Um, when we do something uh, that is proven to be effective, to be impactful. That's why we have this first, you know, phrase where we don't grow that much. Then we, you know, sky is the limit, really, because we we can, this is an organization that can scale with micro campuses everywhere in the world. So we could end up in 10 years having, you know, 10,000 students, full-time students, 20,000 full-time students. We'll see that that's, that's the ambition. What would you say the role of technology is in this university? Because I know it's one of the sort of intelligences you're developing, but then how do you actually approach technology as sort of a learning tool, as a teaching tool? During the second year, their entrepreneurship project is about designing a digital solution. So it's really a hands-on. It's not, you know, through courses. It's really, okay, this is a problem you want to, uh, to address. You need to design a digital solution. And through the agile methodology, we take them step-by-step towards the impact. So designing and implementing their solution and assessing its impact. So they will spend 40% of their time during year two working with technology with very different approaches. Some will specialize in social networking, others will specialize in coding, others more in design and content, Uh, but they will have a very good understanding of all the dimensions of, of technology and practical experience on one of these aspects. And tell me just a little bit about your 27 students. You've given me their grades, which is a very traditional (laughs) way of assessing them for a very forward-looking college, no pun intended. So tell me a few other things about them. We we have three criteria. One is that they need to have good academic records because cognitive intelligence is very important, you know, to analyze complex problems and solve them and so on. So we're not saying, okay, cognitive intelligence, academic, you know, excellence is, is bullshit and it's not what is... Uh, required in the future. I mean, you need to be balanced. So this is something that matters for us, but we will enlarge because this was the recruitment for a class that was fully on a double bachelor program. So you needed to have, you know, students who really were able to learn very quickly and very thoroughly uh, to have enough time to do the other bachelor about entrepreneurship and personal development. So apart from their very high academic achievements, they have achieved amazing things at a very young age. Some have been trained to be trainers and they have done training for volunteers to support homeless people. And they, he spent 
like uh, 600 hours working on with homeless people and training people to, to do that. Another student wrote a book to help students learn music by themselves, learn to play an instrument by themselves. I think that's, you know, fascinating. Another one created a cultural festival in a, you know, a village that was abandoned in, in Hungary. And he had 500 people attending his cultural festival. Another one was, he's a champion in Catamaran, uh, in, in the Netherlands. Another one was pre-selected for The Voice. So, you know, very different kind of achievements. But during our recruitment, we really want to focus on the achievement that they've, not, they've done. It's a no bullshit recruitment process. We don't want to hear them talk about it. We want, to, we want the, facts, the facts, the hard facts. And we also are very careful about their personal journey. You know, where do they come from? If they've been through difficulties, we have students who have your learning differences, learning disabilities. And we want to, to work with them because they have achieved amazing things. And we, we, we really believe that they have amazing potential. You wanted to build a pan-European university in your previous work. You're actually now building a pan-European university. Why is this important? Why not just pick a country? Our challenges are global. Of course, climate change is a global issue and uh, inequalities is also a global issue. You, you see with Pandora's papers that, you know, the super rich, they escape taxes because they can move everywhere. So all problems are global and most organizations now have now an international reach, if not global. So that's, they need to adapt to that. And I also believe that you develop your sense of understanding, open-mindedness, uh, your ability to adapt to different situations when you change cultural environments. That will accelerate your development to be confronted with different cultures, and it will help you adapt to different organizations, to different situations more, you know, more broadly. So I think it's, it's highly valuable to, to have that. And I want people also who are able to make different people work together. I think that's how you, you build peace in the long term. And peace is not only the absence of war. It's also about you know, tolerance, being able to work together, live together in a, in a peaceful way. And that's what is at risk at the moment, I believe. You have three kids. Would you send them to this university? Of course, I'm doing that for them. Do they get a discount? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I won't be the one making the decision. <laughs> um, okay, three quick questions. What is your favorite book about learning? Limitless Mind by Joe Bowler. Wow. What is your favorite book not about learning? I'm not sure about the translation in English, but it's Proust, uh, À la recherche du temps perdu. So the quest for lost time. And what are you binge watching? Uh, I've been watching The Chair. I've just finished The Chair. That seems very appropriate for you right now. Exactly. <laughs> Boris, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure being with you, Jenny. Thanks a lot. In September, I joined the incoming class at the London Interdisciplinary School to meet the students and see the project I'd heard about for years finally come to life. More recently, I visited Learn Life in Barcelona, a community built to develop self-directed learners with truly personal learning. And in the middle of that, I spoke to Boris and learned about Forward. Aside from the obvious fact that I have a super cool job, it's clear that innovation is percolating. Each one of these new institutions, two in higher ed and one in K-12, combines academics with opportunities to develop digital skills, as well as a focus on inter and intrapersonal development. What was once left to chance, i.e. developing as a human, is being more carefully designed and delivered. A forward that comes in the form of a year-long entrepreneurship project, which comes with a certificate, as well as personal development certificates. At Learn Life, it comes in making time for things like executive function and creating 360-degree assessments that require inter- and intrapersonal skills, as well as academic ones. 
My inclination as a trained skeptic is to think we're getting way too prescriptive on human development. Don't we just develop this stuff through trial and error? Do we really need a certificate to learn how to talk to each other effectively? But I actually feel exactly the opposite. We are well overdue on building around belonging, making space for practical, impactful work, for demanding that we reflect on what we do rather than simply checking box after box, math credits, yes, psychology, yes, foreign language credit, check. The scope of the problems we have to solve in the world will demand self-actualized human beings to do it. Employers know this and they're scrambling to build internal learning and development to help build skills around feedback and mental health and diversity and inclusion. These new institutions in higher ed and K-12 put the development of these skills front and center while recognizing, of course, that academics still matter. Innovative educators are showing that it's possible to do head and heart, thinking and being, creating and feeling, as well as achieving in the traditional sense of achievement. It's my belief that the academics has to stay front and center, but that the balance is shifting quite beautifully to recognize what it is to be human and what it really means to learn. Thanks for listening. We'll link to the items mentioned in today's podcast in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it. And you can find out more about our community of global education leaders and upcoming meetups by joining our mailing list at learnit.world. In the meantime, stay safe, stay curious, and see you next week.